Ernest, what's up? Look, I want to put you on to something that's been making waves in the personal finance world. If you've been relying on Mint to manage your finances, I got some news that might startle you at first. Mint is no more. But hold on, because every cloud has its silver lining. And in this case, that lining is Monarch Money. For those of us searching for a robust, user-friendly alternative, Monarch Money is stepping up to the plate. And from personal experience, it's hitting a home run. Let's get personal for a moment. Managing finances can be a maze of confusion, stress, and time consumption. Believe me, I've been there, jumping from one finance app to another, hoping to find that one platform that simplifies everything. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design transformed my approach to managing finances. What truly sets Monarch apart for me, though, is its collaboration feature. With money being a top Discord trigger for many couples, the ability to seamlessly manage finances with my wife has been a game changer. No extra costs, just shared goals and clarity. But Monarch isn't just about managing your current finances, it's about building your future. Saving for that dream house, your wedding, or a once in a lifetime vacation becomes not just a possibility, but a reality with Monarch's intuitive tools. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal held it as the best app for savings growth. Monarch Money represents the next evolution in personal finance apps. It's an ad-free haven where your experience is the priority, constantly refined based on real user feedback. It's everything we've been asking for, intuitive, powerful, and relentlessly focused on user satisfaction. Now, for a bit more practicality, Monarch makes transitioning from Mint a breeze ensuring you can bring all your tags and categories with you. It's intuitive design, customization options, and commitment to privacy and an ad-free experience make it stand out in the sea of competitors. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash leisure. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash leisure for your extended 30-day free trial. Earners, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. 
With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. What's going on, Ernest? Welcome to EYL University, the number one place for business education. Shadi, tell them what we're bringing. Yes, EYL University already has over 100 past webinars from all areas of business. It includes weekly webinars from industry leaders. It includes access to our investment Facebook group, movie club, our book club. It also includes access to monthly financial planning calls with yours truly. But what has been added has access to MG the Mortgage Guys Home Buyers Blueprint over 14 hours with everything you need to know as far as the home buying process is concerned. And also what has been added is access to our monthly group chat call. So once a month, me, Troy, and the whole team is going to let you in on our personal plays, our portfolio, what we're doing, and more. So all of that, we are running for a special promo code of 70% off for a limited time only. So head to EYLUniversity.com right now and take advantage. You know how this works. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. We'll see you on the other side. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. I got my hands on a book called The People's Principles, which was written by Don Peebles. Uh, Don Peebles, billionaire black developer uh, from D.C. That's where he started. Then moved on to Miami and went to Vegas and uh, now it was based in New York. And uh, I read this book, really was inspired by the um, really technical things that he said within it. It's like, this is how I became what I became. And I was like, oh, this is great. Okay, well, I'm going to follow a similar path, but just do it my way. Uh, so in 2017, I got my, 2016, I got my first low-income housing tax credit. So affordable housing developments in the past were financed through Section 8. So if you think about a Section 8 property, Cabrini Greens in Chicago, you know, some of these really large berry farms in D.C., really large uh, complexes, three, four hundred units and really just clusters of poverty. Um, that how, that's how they were financing them. But now they use a tool called Section 42 IRS code, um, which is a tax credit. So we are given a tax credit uh, that we sell to an investor and use that to finance the project. Can you can you explain that a little bit? Because, yeah, we. Section 8, I think most people know what Section 8 is, yeah. right? Where it's like, it's government and they, they subsidize housing, yep. right? And um, But Section 8, you don't have to live in the projects. Like, you can yeah. have a house. So there's two different types. Okay. There's Section 8 project-based vouchers. So projects got the Section 8 assistance. Okay. But then there were also, like, people-based vouchers. Right, right, right. Where you can take they that give it to you, And you go into, like, a house and they pay the landlord. Right, right. So, so what's the new way? Section 42 is the primary tool for affordable housing. There's still some Section 8. Yeah. There's some, still some vouchers. But Section 42, um, just really high level. If you think about uh, a building and you think about developing a building, it may cost $40 million to develop a building, right? Um, typically, in order to fund that building, you need rents that'll pay you enough to then get a bank to give you a loan. So you need a construction loan, and then you need... Permanent financing. So in order to get the construction loan, one of the threshold items is, hey, 
how much is the loan to value of this projected property? So if your value based on rents being at $1,500 a month equates to $40 million, you can then build. Who, who's doing the assessment of how much each one is worth? Each, uh, unit. each unit, the market kind of determines that. Okay. So drilling deeper into that, let's say 1500 per uh, equates to $40 million. Right. Let's say now you're in an area that rents can only be $750 per. People still need to live, but we still need additional housing. In order to build that, the government created a tax credit that subsidized developers mm. okay. for the difference. Mm. So if the seven fifty gives me twenty million, I effectively are gonna get I'm gonna get twenty million in a tax credit to then make it balance and make it work. So they so they they'll pay you, mm-hmm. the developer. They pay the project. So they pay the project. They right. pay the not, project. Not you personally, so but they, they fund the project. Yeah, and they, they allocate. A tax credit to the developer to sell on behalf of the project. So they pay the, the person pays seven hundred and then a thousand dollars. If it was seventeen hundred, a thousand dollars is being paid through the through the tax credit uh, up front. Right. Okay. And in exchange for the tax credit, you have to restrict the rents for a certain amount of time. Okay. Fifteen years, thirty years, et cetera. And the rents are like market based. Uh, yeah. So it's based on the area median income. So that's really like how they determine it. And they have different thresholds. So a 30% unit is like very low income. A 50% unit and a 60% unit is what we would call workforce or affordable housing. And then you have 80% units as well that can be financed through this tax credit. Mm. And that's based on, so take DC, $100,000 area media income in DC, uh, 50% unit is $50,000. If a person makes $50,000 in DC, they can qualify for affordable housing under this threshold, you take 30% of that income divided by 12 months. That's how you come out to the rent amount uh, that you can pay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, so, that was a little deep, sorry. No, 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 that that's, that's that right good. up EYL. That's what we do. Okay. That's, that's the whole, cool. it's right, it's right in like line, numbers, man. right in line with our content. Yeah, for sure. So you meet, you meet Don Peoples, right? Yeah. And how does that go? Yeah. So 2017, I jumped out. Uh, he was speaking at a conference in DC and I was like, I have to meet this guy. So I stood by the door, very tenacious. I, I, I'm an ambitious guy by nature, A-type personality. If I want something, I'm going to go get it. And I wanted to meet him. So I went, uh, introduced myself. I had just received that tax credit. That's why I wanted to get a story. Just received the tax credit. I was about to develop my first project. Hey, Don, what's up? I'm Brandon. I got my first project in. I got a couple more in my pipeline. Would love to connect. Uh, and he he was impressed by what I was doing uh, because my age, I think I was 26, 27 at the time. Uh, and his first project, I was 27. He was awarded his first project at 27 as well. So I was on that path. It's like, okay, yeah, this is the only black billionaire doing what I'm doing. I need to meet him. So we met, had a phone call uh, about a month later. And the biggest takeaway I took from that phone call was he said, work on larger deals. So at that time, my deal was 12 and a half million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had another deal that was about 14 million. And I had another deal that was like $7 million. The $14 million deal was a market rate unit. It wasn't an affordable housing development. I actually never went through. I'll talk on that too. Um, but I needed to raise about one and a half from equity investors in order to finance the project. And you just, you know, go out to folks, get 100000 here, 250000 there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he pretty much just put it in perspective for me. He said, I just raised $500 million in New York. And this is the easiest money I ever raised because institutional capital, the demand on that is so 
it's so much it's so it's so much less than the demand on everyday individuals and investments because you can invest in stocks you can invest in bonds you can invest in a different real estate project you can invest in your kids college fund individuals have so many options but institutional capital needs places to put this money so he told me to work on larger deals and uh i said about three months later i moved to dc that reminds me of three stories <laughs> so i'll take it one by one well first off you know how um one of the people that really got don peoples into the game Marion Barry. Yeah, for sure. Did you know that? DC legend. DC mm-hmm. legend. Rest in peace. Um, so that's one story. The second story <laughs> is that that also that what you said reminds me. I, I watched the interview with Magic Johnson and, and Maverick Carter. Shout out to both of them. Classic. And Magic told Maverick, he said, um, the same amount of time that it takes to do a deal for one million, it takes to do a hundred million. Hundred percent. So do the hundred million. Because it's the same energy. Same mm-hmm. energy. It's the same energy. Same process. <laughs> it's, not yeah. like, it's not like you have to do additional energy. It's the same energy output. It's just you're focusing your energy on a small Got type. level up. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. focus your energy on 100%. big or you can focus your energy on small. Yeah. The third one was um, Byron Allen. Okay. He was on a breakfast club. Yeah. And he just said what you said as far as like, especially institutions, a lot of times they have a problem where they have to, they have to spend money. They exactly. have to. They have to spend money. They raised it. They have it. Exactly. It has to go They're up. looking for, they have whole teams devoted to look for opportunities. Right. Which means they have whole teams devoted to look to say, where can I give money away to different Ooh. deals and, and yeah. how can I position this? Because I have $500 million. Well, we have to allocate I got to do something. <laughs> right. It's just 500. <laughs> so, no, that's real. Raise your hand, please. <laughs> right. So, but, but you right. have to understand that the, the key to that, you have to understand that language. It's a language of finance. That's the way I look at it. It's no different from English versus Spanish. Mm-hmm. We all know English. Some people know Spanish. Some people know finance. It's just a language. And if you understand the language and if you understand what they are saying and what they are looking for, you can make it work. So how did you – I'm interested to know this because you started in the game very young, 20, early 20s. Early. And 20, 23, you said, right? Yeah, 23, yeah. You know, humble beginnings. It's not like your family was um, no. you know, in real estate. So how do you get your first – how do you learn the language? How do you get your first deal – in real estate, as a developer, like how does that? Can you walk me through that process? Like your very first yeah. deal, like how does that happen? So my first deal was actually a four-unit investment. It was a real estate investment type okay. of play. Uh, it was a HUD home on the northwest side of Milwaukee. Buy and hold. Uh, yeah, okay. I just sold it about a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, so I, I bought that when I was twenty-three. So let me rewind. FHA. FHA. Okay. Yeah, three and a half percent down. It was only eighty-five thousand dollars, and I sold it for like one sixty. Nice. So that was like well played. <laughs> you know, it makes sense. Uh, so that was that was my entry entry point. But rewinding. So once I finished the acre program, I'm like, OK, this real estate thing is cool. I think I want to figure out how to be a developer. I spent a lot of time trying to put the pieces of the puzzles together. So I started going to events. I went to a ton of uh, conferences, a ton of seminars, galas, all type of things. I was just searching for people and information and knowledge. And I, I equated it to like putting together a puzzle. Right. It's like. If this is the real estate puzzle, how do I find the pieces? And then how do I put them together? So I met a guy by the name of uh, Keith Broaden. No, first I went to a, uh, uh, an awards banquet called the Mandy Awards. It's Community Development Awards in the city of Milwaukee. I'm actually up for it. I'm a finalist of the real estate award okay. this year, oh. too. So. Congratulations. Thank you. Make sure I'm sure you'll win. 
Yeah, I appreciate After it. After this episode this comes episode out. Like, <laughs> right, there we go. The there we go. We're going to put you over the, you over the, the finish yeah. line. <laughs> so, yeah, I went to this awards banquet, and uh, I met a gentleman by the name of Wayman Winston. Wayman Winston was the executive director of WIDA. WIDA is the housing authority that administers the low-income housing tax credits. So I was like, yeah, I want to be a developer, et cetera, et cetera. He was like, well, if you want to be a developer, come to this conference. This is the developer's conference. It's going to be all developers. There's going to be lenders. There's going to be architects, syndicators. Anyone that plays in this arena in the state of Wisconsin will be here at the conference. Conference was like a couple hundred dollars. I didn't have it. Uh, ended up getting sponsored somehow. I think I like <laughs> figured out a way to finesse my way up there. So, I, you know, I threw on a suit. I had a little nappy fro at the time, and I just was meeting everyone I could meet. And I ran into this gentleman um, who I just saw a few weeks ago, Keith Broadnecks. He was working uh, at Great Lakes Capital, uh, which is now called Sinair, their syndication firm. They raise funds, and then they administer um, – they pretty much purchase the tax credits on behalf of investors. Mm. And he gave me my first pro forma. So pro forma is um, essentially an Excel document that pretty much is the business plan for real estate development. And what that does, it allows you to understand um, how much this will cost to build and how it will perform over the next 15 to 30 years. So he gave me this pro forma and uh, I had no clue what it was. I, I wasn't really a finance guy. I was an econ economics major, but I wasn't a math or finance guy really. Um, so I was just diving in and I tried to figure it out. So I would like Google every term. You know, Google University is a thing. It's a real thing. That's a fact. YouTube yeah, a University thing. is a thing. You know, I was Googling every single term trying you know, to understand. You know what else Go is ahead. a thing? EYL University. Hey. We'll talk about that later on. Let's, yeah. let's, let's <laughs> That's the thing. We need it. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Okay, bet. Even better. Yeah. You know, it's by us. So, yeah, um, yeah, I was just Googling all of the terms within this document and I just started to work in it. So I was working at the bank at the time. I was working at PNC Bank as a personal banker, making $23,000 a year. And I was like, man, I can't. This isn't my life. Like, I'm, I'm not about to just be wearing these nice suits, getting up at 6 in the morning, getting home at 6 p.m., doing this for the rest of my life. I can't do it. So I would then get off work and then go back to work from 7 to midnight, 7 to 1, 7 to 2. Every single day, I was in that pro forma working for years. Edu the, educating yourself. Educating myself. Mm -hmm. In that no articles, no pub, no press, no publication, every, no payments. Every single day I was working. So what then happened was um, I realized that I was only making about 1500 after taxes per month. Uh, and then I came across this four unit that was $85,000. In Milwaukee? In Milwaukee. So I put 3.5% down. Uh, I was renting out the, I think the rents were about 600 apiece, maybe 625 Um you know, do the math on that, 24. Uh, my mortgage was about 1,000. So I was clearing 14 just off of this when I was only clearing 15 at the bank. Mm -hmm. I quit my job the moment I bought the four unit. I couldn't quit before because I needed to show the income to yeah, buy the four right, unit. Right, right. But once I, once I closed, I quit. I was out of there. Yeah. That then gave me the freedom to dig deeper into this real estate thing. Now you're spending the entire time. All my time, energy, and effort was going towards real estate development specifically. I knew investing was cool, uh, but I wanted to figure out how to be a developer because the fees associated with it are great. Yeah. You know, um, just to break it down for real, developer doesn't get a $40 million payment or anything like that. But you, on a market rate side, you may see 3 to 6% of the total cost. Mm -hmm. So if you're working on a $100 million deal, do the math. Uh, on the affordable side, you get about 10 to 15%. 10 to 15%? Really? On the total project mm -hmm. cost. 
Yeah. So you so if so do the math. <laughs> so if you do a forty million dollar deal, you get ten percent. That's four million dollars. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ten to ten to fifteen percent, depending on where. <laughs> depending on where he took the ladder. <laughs> somewhere, don't somewhere, lowball me. Don't lowball me. Somewhere around there. Don't lowball me. Don't respect it. Throw some respect on the name, man. So, so, so to that point, it was like, okay, let me figure out how to do this development thing. I worked in this model. Boom, 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 boom. I saw the numbers. So I'm like, oh, they're making some real life money in this thing. So, figured it out. Uh, so I start working. I met with him again, showed him it. It was terrible. He helped me met a, a consultant that does development consultant. And um, she was actually a CPA as well. Um, Charlena Brown, based out of Atlanta. She helped me hone my skills when it came to my performance and my model. Yeah. So what we did was just, I would, I would try to work in it. I would send it to her. She would edit it, send it back. And eventually I got good. It's like, okay, yeah, I know how to do a project. So then I started looking for projects. So are you doing this on a platform? How, how, what's the Excel? Pro- Microsoft yeah. Excel. That's I was on my computer. On. You, you could $100 computer from Best Buy, yeah. download Excel, and you working. That's it. That's it. You don't need any, anything else. So I'm just teaching myself all the language, teaching mm-hmm. myself how to do things. Um, so I started swinging at projects, and I was missing but it was one, it was a city-owned RFP, request for a proposal, very similar to the one that I just wanted in Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I ended up pitching it to a developer, and I'm like, yo, let's co-develop this project. Here's my model for it. Would you guys be willing to split the developer fee and the ownership? The model is, what's the, what's the model? The model is a pro, another name for the pro forma, my bad. What's the pro forma? The pro forma is the business plan for real estate development. Okay. So in the I, Excel. In my mind, I'm thinking developer. Performer and yeah. model are they're the same thing. So I'm, okay. I'm using them interchangeably. So it's like it's like the blueprint. It's the blueprint. Yeah. The that, financial blueprint. Financial blueprint for real estate development. Now does the developer do the physical blueprint as well, or that's gonna be somebody down the line with we architecture? Outs- we outsource some some development shops can have an architectural person on hand, okay. but I outsource it. So all right, so you 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 study. You learn, you learn how to make a, a financial blueprint for yeah. a project. Like, this is my vision. This is my Financially, vision. how it makes sense. For sure. You don't have any experience. No. So you go to another uh, established developer. They, they've done it already. They've yeah. done it already. Mm-hmm. And you say, I already have the blueprint. Let's work together on this. We can split. Yeah. So, so now I'm creating value. That's the key. To get any partnership, you have to create value for the other person. It's not about what you want. It's what they want and how can you give it for them. That's a fact. Right? So it's like, okay. I mean, I'm gonna give y'all the real number. So I think that project was, let's say, ten million dollars. It was a ten million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the fee on that was twelve percent. So we was at one point two. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, can we go fifty fifty on it? They said, all right, let's five let's, and a half. Let's take a risk. Let's let's apply for it. See if we get it. If if so, let's figure it out. If not, cool, keep it pushing. So I pitched it, um, and then at that point, I knew. It's like, wait a minute. I just created $600,000 just from my mind with a developer that does this for real. So I can now do it. I was probably like 24, 20, 25 maybe. Um, so that was the first time I actually knew. Shortly thereafter, I actually took a job. It was very intentional. So at 24, you got the 600? Nah, oh. that, that never went through. It never oh, worked that out. That never worked out. But that, they agreed to it. But they agreed to it. And that's all I needed to know oh, that okay. I could do it. It was possible. Yeah. It was possible at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm a developer now. You yeah. can't. Ain't nobody taking this from me. Right. So 
uh, I ended up getting a job shortly thereafter. I didn't get that. Money was running low. Yeah, I had the, you know, four unit things like that. That was fine. But I got a job working at a CDFI. A real job? A real job. Okay. Yeah, a real job. What's a CDFI? Uh, a CDFI is a community development financial institution. Oh, yeah, we just, we just learned about that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about uh, that. Who, who, who told I'm us about slow, that? I'm a slow learner. Yeah, I, I think I heard something. There was a young lady here. There was a young lady here who was talking just about the about same thing. Yeah. City of Oz, right? Yeah. So, a bright woman. Bright bright, woman. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to the bright woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I worked. I ended up getting a job. It was actually halftime for two City of Oz. I was the only person in the country to do this, but um, I worked for Forward Community Investments. They were a mission-based community lender that l- provided loans to small businesses. And then a community reinvestment fund, they were a national nonprofit that did the same thing in a different way. So one was a state-based focused on Wisconsin. Other one was national, also targeting Milwaukee. So I worked at home. I worked remotely. So I was really more of a contractor, for real. I worked remotely from home mm-hmm. for both of these companies, really going out, doing technical assistance with businesses and understanding what the gaps were that, um, why, why aren't we giving this money out? Like, I had access to... One of them was from 50000 to $5 million in lending. That was my lending capacity, personally. I can, like, give that out to businesses. So I was like, oh, this is great. It was very much so aligned with my vision and my mission, and I was able to sit in on the credit committees of these different companies. So when it came to, like, applying for loans and applying for some of these things, I knew exactly what they were looking for because I was sitting in there. So I worked there for two years. Who, what, what, what type of clientele or clients were you seeing? Uh, primarily business uh, for community reinvestment. CRF, it was business clients. So uh, I was looking at bars. I was looking at pubs. I was looking at um, cleaning companies. Uh, I was looking at, it, w- it was a full gamut. And then for community investments, uh, it was more so real estate based, for real. So, um, you, so you was on the inside of the, of the institution and you, you knew what they were looking for to lend money. Yeah. You used that when you left at to get them to lend you money because you already knew what they were looking for. In is that theory. Where, is that where you're It going? didn't really work out that okay, way. Okay, okay. That really, was the idea? Yeah, that was the idea. Okay. But now I know how all of the groups work the same. So, yeah, I used that same tactic to get all of the rest of you. So what, did, what were they looking for? Um, like what made you attractive? Not you, but I'm just saying like what will make somebody attractive to somebody? Man, honestly, it's a huge gap. So I, I, I thought that I would be giving out a ton of money but and I had access to the capital, but I couldn't give it out. What they were looking for, it was a disconnect. It's like, our people are here, and their money is here. And I felt like it was my duty to kind of, like, bridge that gap. But that gap, so they were looking for, honestly, pretty traditional things. You know, it's like... Reserves. Some reserves. Some, you know, uh, may or may not do a startup, so you might have to have some income. Um, Collateral is the biggest thing in our community. Mm. That's the biggest gap. We don't have collateral. If you think about history... Uh, a lot of businesses were funded because people owned real estate, right. right? You were able to get business loans because you can put your house up. Millennials, we, I'm, I'm a millennial, right. we don't have houses. Right. You know, so that, that, that is a challenge. That is a shift in the marketplace that I don't think has been identified yet. So we, all of our people are like, yo, we don't have any money. We don't have any money. We don't have any money. There's such an access to capital gap, which there is. But on the other side, they're screaming, oh, we have so much money and we can't deploy it. That's what happens every single time. You talk to anyone in that industry, then that's what they're going to tell you. All right. All right. Bet. So now we're going to go into the next segment. We're going to talk about um, like your journey into developing, like how you find a deal, like 
all of the one on one on the on, bidding. On, the, on the whole yeah, on the yeah, whole man. on the whole deal. So okay. we do that next. All right, so now we now we're gonna ask a few questions um that I think people will be interested in as far as you know, one thing with EYLs, we like we talk about different topics that nobody really knows. It's like we really yeah. have an education on this stuff. Right. So as a real estate developer, right? Um so you you do the financial blueprint, but now you actually have to develop it. But development costs a lot of money to, yeah. to scale these projects, right? So how like how does that part of it work as far as the construction mm-hmm. aspect of it and actually developing? Yeah, because in my mind, I'm thinking of development. Yeah, you're making the financial blueprint, but I'm like, you're not even seeing a physical output before you start? Or do you know like what you want this space to look like going in? Yeah, you cre- you created so the developer is the one that creates the vision in his mind. Okay. Very similar to a director of a movie, right? Okay. Like they don't they don't they're not the actor, they're not the they're not the script writer oftentimes, but they bring it all to fruition and this is the way that it needs to go. So a developer, let's rewind a little bit. Real estate development is a it's a business process that takes land and you put Real estate on this. So very simple there. Mm-hmm. Go a little deeper. So I'm a commercial real estate developer. So I'm pretty much doing that at a, just a larger scale. Um, and there's different like sections of it. Right. So I guess let's say break it down into three phases. There's a pre-development phase where you do the design mm-hmm. and you get the financials in order and you talk through some of those things. The second phase is the construction phase. To your point, that's when you go and you're actually building the project and you're managing the budget to make sure that this is on time and on budget because if the cost of your development is more than what you anticipated, then when the recession hit, that's kind of what happened. Like you saw buildings that were halfway developed and people stepped away yeah. because there was not enough money to continue complete to the project, yeah. complete the project. Um, and then the last phase is operation. So pre-development, construction, and operation. A developer pretty much runs that entire phase from beginning to end. So let's break them down. Pre-development phase, you have, uh, I typically start off with zoning and entitlement. It's like, okay, I have a piece of land here. How large is it? Uh, Let's say it's an acre of land. Okay, based on this acre, what is it zoned for? What can I do here? My base is typically multifamily. So it's like, okay, how many units can I put on here? Uh, Let's say, you know, an acre is 43,000 square feet. Um depending on where you are, they, they based zoning off of Florida area ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, so this thing called FAR. So let's say it's two, two times um, FAR. So you can put, if it's an FAR of two, you can put a 86,000 square foot building on this parcel. And then you reverse engineer how many units you can fit there. So 83,000 square feet, depending on the unit size, if they're one and two bedrooms, you may be able to get 90 units. If they're, you know, three and four bedrooms, you may be able to get 60 units. Mm -hmm. And then based on the program, you create a vision around what is attainable for the site. So I start with the zoning and it's like, okay, yeah, what can I do? Um, And then based on the zoning, I create a financial model uh, and dig a little deeper. And then that's when I reach out to consultants to do some of the other work. It's like, hey, architects, I want to put 70 units right here. Can Can I do that? What does that look like? You know, um, can I do underground parking here? Can I can I have surface parking? How many stalls can I fit? And that kind of changes the iteration of that financial model 
that I was working on. Okay, let me change this up a little. How bit. long does that first that pre process take for you? Uh, no time for real at this point. Wow. A couple hours. Hours. A couple hours. Wow. So that's and then the third sec, third one is the actual development, right? The construction. Second one is second, construction. Second, so second we we yeah. not even in construction yet. Okay. So that's that's early early initial just pre pre. And then what you do is like, okay, I think I'm on to something. And then you go get the site under control. So you reach out to the landowner. Is it available? Is it private? Is it public? Is it, if it's public land, sometimes they have RFPs. And that's what I was awarded uh, with the 41 million. I was awarded that land to now develop it. By the state or the city? That was city owned. Okay. But sometimes it's state owned, sometimes it's city, sometimes it's county. It varies. Okay. Um, so that was public. That's a public private partnership in that way. Um, but sometimes it's private. So when it's private land, that's when you, it's a little more difficult. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a little more difficult because people value their land the way that they value their land. It's no different from a property. If you own a home, you may feel like your home is worth $500,000. The appraisal may say your home is worth two hundred or one hundred. So when you go to that individual and say, hey, this is my plan for this site, Y'all have to have some level of common ground to make sure that this works. Because if they want five times your number, it's not feasible. You move on. Mm -hmm. That vision can't come to fruition because this is not a roadblock. Um, and then once once you then, okay, yeah, I think this will work around this price. I'll give you X for it. You want X for it? Okay, what's the timing? In D.C., I mean, typically you got to have a 30-day close, 60-day close, like a quick, no contingencies, no nothing. In Wisconsin, I can, you know, sometimes do a year and a half without having to close on the financing. And by close, I mean actually pay for the land. You pay for the land typically when your financial uh, at construction start. So when you close on all your finances, I got every, all my ducks in a row. It all comes to the table at the same time, and it goes out to the various parties, one of those parties being the landowner. They could walk away. I now purchase it. I now can start construction, which is now phase two. So, so when you're, you're in that phase and you try to get the land, what's the bidding process, right? So you were rewarded, awarded, not awarded, rewarded, yeah. awarded the land. What Kind of explain what that means, but what's the, the process of bidding for it, yeah. too? Uh, so, so on the private side, no process. It's just one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. Can I buy this from you or no? Right. Uh, and I've been told no because of my age and my color before, okay. to be honest. Yeah. Um, but on the public side, they typically put out a, a list of um, priorities that they want. The most recent one, uh, my 89 unit was a public, public partnership, and they just want a redevelopment of a blighted site. It was half a mile away from where I was raised, and I wanted to develop it, so I put 89 units of affordable housing in my hood. That's what I did. And they agree with my plan. It wasn't very competitive. And that was that. But there are other ones, like the one in Madison that I just won. It was very, very competitive. Um, they had multiple rounds of RFPs. What's the RFP again? Request for a proposal. Mm -hmm. So that's when the city says, hey, these, these are our priorities for this site. We own this site. We don't want to own this site. Cities often don't want to own sites because they want to benefit from the tax revenue from it. It's not in their best interest to pay the upkeep. It's a lot of risk associated with owning land. Um, so cities often try to partner and sell and, you know, do things like that. So that this priority specifically, they wanted a grocery store. The site right next door is a pick and save. Roundy's was just acquired by Kroger, and they're shutting that pick and save down. So now this area is about to be a food desert. Hmm. So the city was like, okay, in order for us to preserve 
some level of grocery in this area, we need to put out an RFP. So that was their number one priority, a grocery store. Second was affordable housing uh, and some level of housing and, and density. So I put together the best plan to bring that grocery store in the quickest amount of time. So, all right, they need a grocery store. They already, they already identified they need a grocery store. Why don't they just reach out to grocery stores directly? Why, why do they need they a developer? They, okay. they did. Grocery stores often don't develop their own land either. They lease. Mm. You know, so a developer, a developer, um, a developer manages that process. Businesses don't typically manage that process. Mm. You know, if you think about Apple, Apple isn't going to like build their own headquarters. They're going to hire some consultants or a developer to build it for them. So that's a RFP can be in that way too. So that said, it's of interest for them to align themselves with a developer who has the capacity to do this because it's not something that just easily can be done. Got it. They can't just do it. So phase two, the um, construction phase. Can you talk about that? Yeah, construction. So each, each phase is a little less risky. So pre-development phase is, is a ton of risk. I'll, I'll rewind a little bit, then I'll go into it. It's a ton of risk because um, you're paying a ton of consultants to do work. You're doing uh, environmental assessments, a phase one and a phase two. Ten, that could be $10,000 between the two. Environmental assessment, when they're checking the dirt to see checking the, the dirt. soil is yep. viable and all that? Well, yeah, so environmental, that's one where they're seeing if it's contaminated. Has it been a, um, you know, was this a gas station historically? Um, is, is this up to code? Because yeah. you don't want those soils to rise and the people get sick and die and all that stuff. All so right. um, you pay for environmental consultants. You pay for civil consultants, um, which put together the design of the building and make sure this is secure. Okay, architects design it, but the civil engineers are saying this will be sturdy for X amount of time. We won't have settlement, et cetera. And then you hire geotechnical consultants to test the soil and to see is the soil okay, you know, stuff like that. So the soil is more so like for settlement. Civil is more so for structure and longevity and things like that. So all of those people you got to hire prior to getting to construction. Who's, you, who's paying for that? The developer is. So yeah, I, I, the great question. Milwaukee is. Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you can you can get once you have a plan together, you can get loans in theory. <laughs> they can get loans. <laughs> we can't get loans, That's really. Right. They can get loans. So I partner with the people that can get the loans and try to. I'll go into that in a second. But you pay for all of these consultants, um, even architect. All the architectural designs are pretty renderings and all of that stuff. Crazy. Yeah, and you know that's a couple hundred thousand, easy. So um, before you get to construction, are any of these um, RFPs or like do does it ever come into play with the um, was it MWB Minority Women Business? Is it because are they like do they have to have a certain amount of developments that are developed by minority developers? Is that ever that a case? Minority developers is not a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a minority contractors is a thing. Okay. Minority developers is not a thing. So I, I have to, and like my development counterparts, man. yeah, that ass. I'm an anomaly for yeah, real. Yeah. So I have to hire minority women, veterans, and my colleagues have to do the same. My counterparts do the same. We have to hire them, the construction workers, make sure that all of the people that are part of this team, maybe 20, 25%, 30%, 40% of the total, the money that is allocated to the budget has to go towards these groups. But there's no structure for me as a developer and being black to benefit from that. Why not? That's where the most money is. Has it ever been proposed or no? Uh, I've never heard of it. Um, I'm sure it has. Historic black developers aren't a thing. 
Not a lot of them. They're, no, it's not a thing because historically, banks, we all know about redlining. We mm-hmm. all know about that. There's a book called The Color of Law. I'll talk about this before. But for people that don't know, The Color of Law documented the government's effect on communities and the intentionality of segregation. So what they did was if a white developer even was developing something that allowed a black person to live in it, HUD would not insure it so the bank would not give a loan. Mm. So that was for a white developer. So imagine a black developer trying to develop something for black people. It wasn't possible. So the Marion Berries of the world, and just like H.J. Russell in Atlanta, the mayor of Atlanta, the mayor of D.C., reached out and used their political connections to bring these two people up, H.J. Russell in Atlanta, Don Peebles in D.C., in order to create an economic engine in our community that allowed for growth in a way that does not exist. So, again, that, that's no, it's just not a thing at all. Um, and hopefully it can become a thing, but there's not enough black developers. I mean, I'm at conferences all the time. I go to real estate meetups and everything like that, but oftentimes it's like most, most folks are investors because that's all we know. Most of the developers I know aren't, they don't look like me. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Kev, Kevin Newell. Um, it's a big bro of mine. He's killing it in Milwaukee right now. Yeah. Absolutely killing it. He's a black developer that is doing his thing. Um, a couple folks out here in D.C. as well, D.R. McKinney, I really respect. Um, Don Peebles' son is actually doing development out in D.C. as well. So there's some black developers, like, bubbling up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just not. How important is political, political collect- connections? Depends on where you are. Uh, I would say in Wisconsin, not as much. Wisconsin is a very objective state. If you are doing... If you are checking these boxes, you can move forward. Uh, in a place like other places, it's not that objective. It's a little more subjective. Like who you know and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we were talking about the construction part real quick. So mm-hmm. you start off a ton of pre-development risk. You pay for the, all of these consultants, a couple hundred thousand. Um, and then at the closing table, so the benefit of getting to the closing table is that all that risk is wiped away. Mm. So it's all a part of the development budget. Although you're paying for it before it happens, you get refunded once all your money comes in. So the 300000 that you had out, the million dollars that you had out, all comes back right there. So that's a great day. And then what happens uh, in the construction phase, you have to mitigate that risk because, you know, people will may not come to work or the the cost of something may be more expensive or the design wasn't, you have to change the design up and things like that. So you have to look out for all of those things before you get under construction. Um, because when that construction budget gets blown up, it's a, uh, it's a real thing. And the first thing that goes at that point is your developer fee. We have to pay for that. So we got to mitigate that risk because you can get a project done and not make nothing. To that point, my first project, 60-unit affordable housing development, $12.6 million. I made $30,000 on. Wow. Three and a half years worth of work, I made $30,000. That was it. What kind of insurance do you have to have to be protected? Like During construction? Just as a developer. I'm sure, like anything, you said like you're on the hook, right? So I guess you don't want to have to always come out of your pocket if something happens. That's, that's the risk you take? Of, so there's no insurance? No, it's not a thing. No, nah, it's just a risk you take. So that deal, 12 and a half million, 
my original development partners. So this is my first project. This one I got in 2016. Mm-hmm. My original development partners were a fully integrated firm. So they did they did development, construction, and property management. They did it all. So I'm like, okay, bet. Let me partner with these guys. Let me learn from their different entities. It's all one stop, and then we gonna do it. Uh, moving forward, once we got the award, their board wasn't as comfortable with the original terms we agreed to. So now, you know, based on, so you have to make guarantees. You make financial guarantees for construction. I guarantee that this will be built even on my own dime. And you have to spread the risk across a development profile and share that with partners. If they're making all the guarantees, they're taking all of the money. So that's why we get boxed out too. Black folks, Typically don't yeah. have you know the capital to save capital yeah, wealth etc. Yeah, so, so we can't make guarantees. Yeah, I have a, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I have a friend who a client as well who's a um, developer in New York. He's black. He always tells me about these personal guarantees that he has to put up Man. of like all this money and properties. Like whenever time they doing a deal and it's like him and his partner, they got to do these personal lines of guarantees and all that stuff. Personal guarantees. Personal guarantees. And, and if you don't have the bare minimum for the projects that I'm working on, you need a million dollars of liquidity, like mm. cash. And five million dollars in net worth to start the conversation. That's going to eliminate a lot of us. That's why you don't see black developers. That's the primary reason why you don't see black developers because you can't get in the game. And then when you start to, you get raped. It's like, okay, well, you got an idea, you got a concept. I want ninety percent. You can get ten, and then we just get used as brokers mm. to find sites, and so they can make more money. But I wasn't on that. I'm not on that. So I get the majority of my fees at this point. Uh, at least fifty-one percent. I'm I'm gonna get. Standing on it. <laughs> We're not moving on that. That's not negotiable. So you said par- partnerships. So you, you so you partner with a lot of people. Yeah, I have to. So for a young cat, or just not even a young cat, anybody just in, in general, because like you said, it's, it's a lot of barriers to get in. Um, is that the best way to go about it? Is to kind of find somebody already, already that's successful and kind of work with them? Yeah. I mean, I, I get reached out to all the time. Um, I definitely, I want to support everybody, but realistically, I just can't. It's a capacity thing. Um, so that said, I, I think the best way is to create value. You have to create value. If you're not creating value, then you're just there. Mm-hmm. They, if, if you want to work with me, just like if I want to work with them, is it worth my time to work with you? Not if... You're not bringing anything to the table. I can do it on my own. No, I tell people that all the time. You got to, it got to be... Mutual, and it can't because that's more of a charity thing, right? Yeah, it's like exactly. and you can only do so so much charity. And there's a time and a place for that. Yeah, you know, it's mentorship, charity. It's not a business partnership. Business partnership has and it, it doesn't have to be equal, but you have to bring something bring of something. value. Yeah. So if you can create value in real estate, the way that I did it, I created the financial model, I created the vision, and I got the land and the contract. That's what that was my control. Mm-hmm. So if I pitched it to anybody, they can't just go get this land. I already got it. Yeah. So now it's like I have leverage. So if you as a developer want to or aspiring developer want to take that strategy, go get some land on the contract, put a financial plan that makes sense. I talked about language earlier. Show me the language. This is the language that we speak right here. Mm-hmm. When you start speaking that language, we can partner with no problem. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.